0: Not just for being shining examples of how great a mom can be, but also for being beautiful reflections of who God is. Like God, you've provided for us. You've shown us how much you care from the very beginning. With God, you've guided us, helping us navigate through every decision, big or small. You've been patient with us, helping us grow and learn from the mistakes we make. And like God, you forgive us, offering us grace so those mistakes can never define us. You've been present. It sounds so simple, but it's so important just knowing you're there when we need you. And most of all, loved us unconditionally as only someone filled with God's love could. So today we thank you, moms, for all of this and so much more. Happy Mother's Day.
1: For all that you've done, I will thank you, for all that you're going to do, for all that you've promised, and all that you are is all that has
2: carried me through. Jesus, I thank you, and I thank
3: and welcome to the first service at uh, Preston Crest. We're glad to have your attendance today, those of, that are here physically and those who are participating virtually. We uh, want to remind you to uh, please check in. You can use the QR code on the back of the uh, card there at the back of the pew or to text the uh, to the number that we do each week. It'll give us a record of your attendance. You'll have access to the bulletin and other announcements of what we have going on and you always can uh, text the word me to get additional insights on uh, activities, church directory and send prayer requests. So we appreciate that. Uh, We uh, were grateful to have a big group that attended the campouts last weekend and uh, appreciate uh, that. That was uh, well attended, I think almost 200 that got to go to that. And a few pictures here of a great, great weekend for uh, that group. Glad that uh, they were able to get there and enjoy that time uh, together. There also was a special baptism. The Carol's daughter was baptized while she was there, so we are grateful for that. Uh, Last last Sunday night, we had the uh, LTC celebration uh, to celebrate those who participated in that and had the awards night, and we're grateful for all those that supported our uh, students in the LTC program. We uh, do have one item that I want to bring to your attention. It's in our bulletin. We're in need of greeters to help with the uh, welcoming those that are coming into the building uh, and are looking for places to find one of our Bible classes. So we'd ask you to be mindful if you could participate in that. As we're called to worship this morning, let's read from Isaiah 66, 13. As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, we're so grateful to come before you today, Father, uh, at this time, and you do provide us comfort and, su- and peace and support, Father. And we know that there are those that are dealing with uh, with hard right now, Father, and we're mindful of the uh, the fires in New Mexico and the impact there. Thank you for all those that are fighting to uh, save homes and, and lives. Watch over them, protect them, Father. Father, we're mindful of the the conflict in in the Ukraine and Russia. We ask that you would provide some provide peace, Father, that these conflicts can be resolved and that we can we can once again return to uh, normalcy there. Father, thank you for the family here at Prestoncrest. We're so grateful for our staff, for the the ministers. The the deacons and our teachers that serve, Father, we're grateful for all those that uh, are always looking for ways to comfort and protect those who are in need. Father, we ask that you would help us to look for ways to offer welcome and hospitality to those that are, uh, Father, that are lonely and that are isolated. Let's always look for ways to reach out to them, Father. Father, thank you for our mothers. We're so grateful for their influence in our lives and the impact that they've had on us, Father. And we ask that you would bless those that are still with us and the memories of those that have gone before. Father, we ask that you would uh, protect us during this time and that you would look upon this favorably as we worship you today. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Randy.
1: You give life,
2: you are love, you bring light to the dark.
1: song as we're entering into our time of communion. And then Michael Buchanan will come and lead us this morning around the bread and the cup. One
4: Happy Mother's Day. There are a lot of proofs or evidences here on earth that lead us to God or or point us to God and point us to Jesus. And one of those things for me is our mother's or our spouse. And one of the things that, that I think about, at least in my household or that comes to my mind as I think about my wife, is uh, two things that that I also think about when I think about Jesus and especially during this time. And those two things are sacrifice and forgiveness. And I think many times uh, as we sit here today and remember the Lord's death and remember what he did I think sometimes uh, for me I I don't think quite as much about the act of forgiveness and the reason why uh, Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world and and it's something that uh, that if you've ever done something worthy of forgiveness for lack of a better expression you you realize a couple of things you realize number one how selfish we are, and number two, how truly difficult it is to forgive. And so this morning, as we think about our Lord Jesus and the level of forgiveness that he showed us uh, by hanging on the cross, I'm going to read the first few verses of Psalm 103. It is a Psalm of David praising the Lord for his mercies. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we're dust. Please bow with me. God, we thank you so much for your many blessings. Great is your faithfulness, and great are your mercies, for they are everlasting. And I've I pray, Father, this morning as we remember your Son and our Savior Jesus and his act of sacrifice and his act of forgiveness, I pray, Father, that we will look in the mirror. I pray that we will look at ourselves and remember that we need you, that we need Jesus, that we need mercy and sacrifice. I pray that we can love you the way you have loved us. I thank you so much for the blessings and the mercies that you give us each day. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much again for the love you show us. And Father, I pray that as we partake of this cup, we can remember Jesus for the sacrifice, for his willingness to hang on a cross, not just for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Well, there's a couple of ways that you can give this morning. You can drop your offering in the box in the middle of the foyer, or you can give online. That, uh, that option is available for, for so many of our opportunities, whether it's a world care offering or special uh, offerings that we have. All of those options are available online along with our regular offering. However, you choose to give, we are thankful that you do. And this is such a generous, generous church. And because of that, the kingdom of God goes beyond these walls. And we're also thankful that God uses us in so many ways. Let's, uh, let's bow. Father God, thank you for using this church, using us as your hands and feet. Father, I pray that uh, the offerings that are given today will expand your kingdom even more. That more people will come to know you. Because of your work here, in this place, and through us. Father, I pray that we are a church that loves others. I pray that we are a church that shares you boldly. You are the one we praise. You are the one we worship. And you... Are the one we give to. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. One of the great things that your offerings help to support is our prison ministry, and let's let's watch a little bit more about that.
5: Good morning, Preston Crest family. My name is Clay Short, and every quarter I lead a group of men down to Huntsville, Texas, to be a part of the Huntsville prison ministry. This ministry was once started by Clyde Thompson, who was once called the meanest man in Texas, but now today is led by Freddie Anderson, who is a dedicated leader of the ward and a very good friend to this congregation. When we go to the wind unit and go through those gates, it can be a very intimidating experience but once we're with our brothers in Christ and we worship with them and particularly have the Lord's Supper, we realize that walls cannot separate the things that we have in common in Christ. So Preston Crest, we really appreciate the support that you have given us in this Huntsville prison ministry and we look forward to doing this for many years to come.
1: Yeah, that is such a great work. Clay, are you here this morning? There he is. Hey, if you if you are interested in getting connected with this ministry, visit with Clay cuz he can hook you up and that is that is a great a great way we serve the Lord not just in this place. Church, let's stand. We're going to send kids on up to Children's Church, and we'll sing one more, and then Gordon's going to come and share with us this morning. Come we that love the Lord and
6: Thank you, Brother Davis. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. Happy Mother's Day, most importantly to my mom who's watching online. Happy. Hi, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. Um, it is, uh, it's, a, it's a good day. It's a tough day. It's, a, it's easier to preach Easter than it, Easter than it is Mother's Day. So good choice there. Take Mother's Day off uh, because it's just, this is a holiday. We love you guys so much and some of our moms aren't here anymore, aren't with us anymore. And there's, there's all sorts of stories and every story has its own twists and turns, but we honor our moms today. I don't know if you have heard this before. I have a sneaking suspicion that you have something like this in a service like this. Uh, Now we leave our worldly cares behind. Or now we push the distractions of everyday life out And we come into your presence, Lord. Those are some sentiments that are sometimes expressed in a place like this, at a time like this. And I'll say this, it it does seem like a call to think not about myself, but to focus on God. And that's a good thing. But today we're going to go into the story of a woman, Hannah, who very much did not leave the outside world behind when she came into the presence of God. Someone who did not push away her struggles, her pain, but she brought it all into the presence of God when she came to worship. She was just who she was without pretension, without benign, everything is okay smiles, she brought her whole self, her whole life before God. And if we take her example seriously today, we will find freedom. Freedom from playing games. Freedom from having to act like we're doing okay when we're not, freedom before the Lord that we love and serve, freedom to bring our celebrations and our sadness before Father, freedom to bring our struggle and sin, freedom to bring it all before the Lord. Jesus once said something about God, and he knew a lot about God. Uh, Jesus said, the Father is seeking worshipers who will worship him in spirit and what? And in truth. That he's seeking that. He delights in those kinds of worshipers, these worshipers who bring the truth before God. Now, that could mean a lot of different things, but it has to mean honesty. It has to mean no games. It has to mean God wants us to bring our full selves before him, and he can handle it. You're not going to surprise him this morning by being honest with him. He knows all about our lives. And Jesus says, the Father is looking for worshipers who will be worshipers in spirit and in truth. Now, there is an uncomfortable truth about our story today, seeing as how it's Mother's Day. Hannah struggled with infertility. I know a lot of women do. She wanted more than anything to have a baby. Not just a baby. She wanted a baby boy. For years, she had prayed for this. For years, she had stayed at wake, wetting her pillow with her tears over this, and she and her husband had tried, and nothing. No missed periods, <laughs> no nausea in the morning, never a sensation of a punch or a kick within her womb, nothing. Nothing. Now, you may or may not identify with her story. Isla and I have plenty of couple friends. In fact, two of our very best husband and wife couple friends, they have made a choice to not have children. That's been their choice, and it's been something beautiful for them, allowed them to serve the Lord and his people in, in unique ways. We have other friends who are in that situation very much not by choice. That's Hannah's case. And each infertility battle is painful and personal. People who say they understand, they don't really understand your struggle. And for, for Hannah, let's talk about her. There are a couple of details of her struggle that made it especially challenging One was simply the time and place in which Hannah lived. It was a time and place where women were expected to be expecting, at least at some point, where womanhood and motherhood were one and the same. Another challenging part of her journey And I'm certain none of us would have had this particular difficulty in our time, but it was that her husband had a second wife. Challenging enough, I would imagine. But this other wife, Penina, sounds oddly like a waitress at a diner. Penina had no trouble conceiving. Okay? Think about that. Hannah's infertile. Penina, the other wife, wife number two, giving Elkanah, their husband, lots of children. And Penina was a mean girl. She was an eighth grade cyber bully, mean girl. She delighted in torturing, let's call Hannah her rival. We are told in 1 Samuel 1, 6 that Panina, that she used to provoke her grievously to irritate her. One theologian commenting on the story had this to say about Panina: Haters gonna hate, 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 hate. <laughs> so yeah, Penina delighted in reminding Hannah of her barrenness and the joys of motherhood. Hmm. Then there was the husband Elkanah. Let's add this factor into the We husbands we don't always get it right. We love you guys. We don't always know what to say or what to do. Elkanah was certainly somebody in her, but we know that he loved her. He loved her so much, and we know that he was kind of a bumbling fool And how to respond to his wife's agony. He ends up saying things and doing things that were not helpful at all. Like, she's suffering. Elkanah thought, I'll give her a double portion of food, right? You get a second lamb chop. You get a, a second scoop of hummus. Like that's going to help, you know? And he said things like this in 1 Samuel 1, 8. Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? I mean, he's trying, right? I mean, he's trying. And I try not to say the word stupid from the pulpit because parents get mad at me. Some my childhood, you say that, but this is stupid. I mean, it really is. I mean, come on, man. Why do you weep? Why do you think I'm weeping? Why am I not chowing down on hummus scoop number two that you just dropped on my plate? That's what you want to know? That's your question? And do you matter? Don't I matter more to you than ten sons? Why would you ask that? Why would you, why would you poke at that wound? Bless him. I love you, honey, but can you just stop talking? And honestly, can you stop trying to help? And put down the extra scoop of hummus. So she had a husband who loved her. She also had a husband who, like so many of us, had no clue what to say. And I would just say, you know, it's a reminder here to press pause, to, to throw up that filter over what we say when we're in the presence of someone who's hurting. We need to be very sensitive and careful and not just spout things out. When someone has lost a loved one, when we walk into a hospital room, when our friend is is grieving the end of a relationship or the loss of a job or you name it, it's just sometimes less is more. You know, rather than say the insensitive or thoughtless thing, even with good intentions, how about we just sit with them? Sometimes our presence is enough. Anyway, during her long and difficult journey, the years are going by on one particular occasion. They made the trek from Ramah to Shiloh to worship the Lord to offer sacrifices, to bring the family into the presence of God in a unique way. After a family meal there at Shiloh, Hannah gets up and she kind of slips away and she makes her way into the house of the Lord and walks by Eli the priest. And we're told in 1 Samuel 1.10 she was deeply distressed And she prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. Again, brought it all. Brought it all into the house of the Lord. And this prayer came from such a place of depth and pain. We're told in the story, she was praying words, just not audible words. She couldn't choke those out of her vocal cords because she was crying so much but she was praying she was asking God what she had asked for so many times before give me a son give me a boy she pledged if you give me this son I will devote him to serve you for his entire life And Eli the priest, he, he sees her, he sees this kind of disheveled mess, he hears the cries, he sees her lips moving, but he doesn't hear any words, and he assumes that she is just a hot mess, just drunk. And he confronts her with that. How dare you, you know, come into the Lord's house, wasted, what are you doing? And she responds there in verses 15 and 16, oh no. Oh, no, sir. She's found her voice here. I, I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged. And I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think that I am a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. Have you ever prayed... Out of great anguish and sorrow? I have. Hannah has. We bring our petitions, our cry before the Lord. The priest told her, I love this part. This is the turn. Go in peace, go in God's shalom. God will grant you what you have asked of him. And she believed. You talk about faith, boom, done. She believed. She stopped crying. We're told that her countenance lifted. There was a buoyancy in her. We're told that she began to eat. Her fast was over. She believed that the Lord had heard her cry. And I think she is a great reminder here that worship, what we're doing now, worship is life calibration It tunes us into the people that God made us to be. When we worship the Lord, we bring all of the other chatter, all of the other worries, all of the other concerns under his dominion, under his rule. We proclaim him to be God. And we don't stop worshiping just because we've hit a rough patch. Like Hannah We press on. Here's a good rule of thumb. I didn't come up with this. I don't know who did, but I love it. It's this. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. You know, if it's ever more about me, when I come into the house of the Lord, when I get on my knees in prayer, if if that's the theme, if that's the center, if that's the thing around which everything else orbits, when I come into a place of worship, I'm not worshiping God, and that's a dangerous place to be. I'm stepping into idolatry. I'm taking my eyes off the one. I heard somebody say one time, hey, I didn't really enjoy worship today. And the guy standing next to him said, well, it's a good thing we weren't worshiping you. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's not about us. It's not about me. Not about you. It's about God. And so we watch her. We watch her worship. We watch her pray. We watch her be real before God. We see more than a religious experience, more than a checking of the box. We see someone who is intimate with God, someone who knows God and is (laughs) known by God. This is a relationship. She has spent so much time with God, you can just see it. And she's not just praying, you know, guide, guard, and direct us kinds of prayers. She is bringing her full range of anger and sorrow before her father, she is okay with being a mess in the house of the Lord. We don't need to feel like we've got to look perfect and talk perfect. I don't even know if that's good grammar there. But we don't need to feel like we need to put on that act. We can be ourselves. Hannah teaches us that. And I love that she not only prays for something specific, but very specific. Like this woman who struggled with infertility for years. I mean, you're really going to ask for a boy? I mean, wouldn't any child do here? But... She believes God has a purpose for this child that she and Elkanah will have, and so she prays for a boy, and she believes that the one that she's been worshiping has heard her and is responding. She trusts in that. Her heart is so sensitive to the Lord. Her struggles don't push her away. They pull her to the Father. Anyway, I'm going to really wrap this part up Quickly, she gets back to Ramah with Elkanah. They share the marriage bed. She conceives, yada, yada, yada. They have a baby. (laughs) Okay, there you go. Her prayer is answered, and she names her son Asked of God Samuel. Why? Obviously, she asked God for him, and he gave her this son. I mean, Hannah is this remarkable person of faith, this robust, all-season faith. She actually, by the way, if you're thinking, wow, this is, man, I mean, happily ever after. It's, I mean, is any story ever fully happily ever after this side of heaven? I mean, I mean, is it fully hap- happily ever after that she doesn't actually raise her son? That her son doesn't end up living in her house? I mean, after he's weaned, she drops him off at the temple? And is it happily ever after that the family that she leaves Samuel with is Eli's family? I mean, you can read the next couple of chapters. Not a great family. So, yeah, it was happy and sad, it was life what it was. That's her story. Now, her son Samuel will be a remarkably powerful figure, a prophet, priest, really Israel's de facto leader before he anoints their first and second kings. And so, we have this prayer life that is exemplary, not only her desperate prayers of anguish and sorrow, but later on, the Word of God details this much longer prayer, and it is one of... I would just say of worship. Originally, I was thinking celebration, but really, it is a prayer of just vertical worship to God, 1 Samuel chapter 2, and we're not going to unpack all of it. There are a few things that I think we would do well to pay attention to in this second major prayer. Um, First, I find this so interesting. We've got 10 verses, a prayer that she prays to God, and she does not ask for a thing, She has no petitions. She has no requests. It's all about God. It's incredible. She just declares truth about the God that we worship. I mean, it's okay to ask God for things. I mean, the Lord's Prayer exemplifies. Yeah, we can ask God for things. But it's easy sometimes for your time with God to become off balance where it's about whatever struggle, whatever issue. Like we talked about, we want to bring that. We need to bring that, but we need to be in balance where it's not just that, where we remember who God is, not just our situation, but his situation. We don't want to be long on demands and short on devotion. We don't want to be long on requests And short on reverence. uh, We had a guy in Rio come and speak to our church one time about prayer. And he challenged our church to spend 40 days asking for nothing. He said, I want you to pray every day. But all you're going to do is give thanksgiving. Thanksgiving for what he has done, what he is doing, what he's going to do. Plenty of things to thank God for. And worship Worship his holiness, his, his justice. Thank him for his grace. Recognize who he is. I, I'd say it really shook up my prayer life. I think it helped a lot of us there at the church. Well, Hannah, in her prayer, she will declare, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 2, she says, There is none holy like the Lord. There is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. You are one of a kind, God. She notices how God takes the natural order of the world, which is distorted by the fall, which is twisted by sin. God takes it, and when he enters a story, he upends it. When she prays in verse 4, the bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble he binds with strength. The widow, the orphan, the outsider, the struggler. Hannah proclaims that God has been in control the whole time. She says in verse 7, He, He brings low and He exalts. She reminds us as believers, and I love this one, verse 9. This is for me today. I don't know if it's for you. She reminds us that it is not by might that a man shall prevail. And insert your the source word for my insert money, celebrity, followers, influence. It is not by any of that. It is not by might. That we prevail. And then there's a prophetic word. This is the most amazing, to me, jaw dropping part of this prayer. As she, like so many of her brothers and sisters do in the Old Testament, she points to Jesus. She says in 1 Samuel 2 6, the Lord kills and brings to life. Like, where is she getting this from? It hadn't happened. Like, he kills, he brings to life. He brings down to Sheol, to the place of the dead, and raises up. Man. Two prevailing themes in her prayer. One, God is sovereign. God is in control. The other related to this is that people can count on him. We can count on him. No matter what the circumstances of our world look like at any particular moment, He's still in control. And so she calls us, this would be the next thing I would point out, she calls us to an all-season faith. She calls us to an all-season, what does she do in the winter time of worry and despair? 1 Samuel 1. She worships She prays. She goes to the house of the Lord. And what does she do in the springtime of new life and celebration? Chapter 2, she worships. She prays. She brings herself into the presence of the Lord. This is not a fair weather faith. This is a robust, genuine, all-weather faith made for all seasons of life. By the way, if you're doing the Bible readings with Preston Crest this year, I just read this phrase I'd never noticed before. I love getting in the Bible every year and finding new things. Right, John Scott? It's, it's incredible how God just brings something up. And this one was Jeremiah 31.2. I'm reading in the ESV version. And it talks about how God gave his people grace in the wilderness. And I was like, oh, man. Just had to stop reading right there. Just stop. Sit on that, man. Grace in the wilderness. And maybe that's what you need today. I'm thankful that he gave Hannah grace in the wilderness. I'm thankful that he took care of her. And if you're in a season of doubt or struggle, Hannah invites you to join her in worshiping the living God. And bringing your whole range of emotions, the whole 100% real you before the Lord. If you're in a season of celebration and joy, she says, come and join me in my joy, exalting the Lord in your prayers. And I'm not going to pretend this morning to walk in your shoes to know exactly what's happening in your experiences. That would be a foolish thing to do. Um... I don't have magical words. I'm I'm more like Elkanah, I think, than I am Hannah. I don't have the right words to say on many occasions. But I can tell you, God knows. Your father knows what you're going through. And he is with you, and you are precious to him. He hears your prayers. He delights in your praise. Know that. I would also remind us once again how this story leads us to Jesus the one who went to the grave and bounced back, the one who traveled to the place of the dead and then entered the world of the living, Jesus, he is our hope. He is the reason that no matter what is going on in our particular lives or in the world at large, we can continue to walk in faith knowing that God is with us. And in his sovereignty and in his grace, he prevails. If you need prayers this morning, we would love to pray with you. Come down. We'll pray over you or pray with somebody right next to you as we wrap up. The other thing would be, if you want to give your life to Christ, we would love to help you do that this morning as well. Let's stand and offer our worship to God.
1: Lord, I come,
2: I confess Thou here I find my rest And without
3: Please read with me our closing verse. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.